What's up, lovelies? Welcome to another episode of Chingona, a podcast about women and femmes and non-binaries who inspire with their heart and their hustle. My name is Leah. For today's episode, I interviewed my friend Mars, who resides in Texas. She and I are among the millions of people that lost their jobs due to the pandemic. In fact, more than 40 million unemployment claims were filed since the start, so that includes people who were furloughed, laid off, or had their hours cut. And just to give you some perspective, during the peaks of the Great Depression and the Great Recession, about 15 million, one five million people filed for unemployment during each of those time periods. So, I don't know, I guess. Congratulations to us 40 million on making history. Anyway, mine and Mars's journeys to unemployment are similar in the sense that right before all of this, we were just starting to get our lives together. We had a plan, which then got derailed, and I saw a lot of stories like that on the internet. I think a lot of people probably feel like they went through a similar thing. I lost my job pretty early on in the pandemic, and I wasn't too mad at it, to be honest. I was kind of looking for an out anyway. Mars, however, she lost three jobs in a five-day span, one of which was her dream job, unfortunately. Her story begins in November of 2019, when she decided to forego her career in video production and make the jump to something new. So um, I'm from the Rio Grande Valley, um, and I moved to Houston a year and a half ago because there was a better job opportunity over there. Well, uh, after a few months, that job just didn't work out for me, and I decided I wanted to quit my career in video production and kind of do a hard reset on my life and figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, so I actually quit a job without a backup. I did not have another job that lined up. I think the week before my last day, I got a job. Um, I actually found it on Instagram. Oh, cool. Yeah, this new museum was opening up in Houston. And it just seemed like a really fun, artsy thing. I needed a job. So I went in for a group interview and... It was a really good paying job. It seemed like it had a lot of room to move up. So I was like, yeah, I'll take it. I'm going to do this. I was so excited that I just had a job, period. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be my in-between job while I figured out what I wanted to do. Um, So I had been working there for a few months. And then after the holidays, you know, people are spent. So we weren't having a lot of business. So they cut our hours back. Um, At this point, I had moved in with a roommate. So, you know, I still had to pay her rent and pay part of the bills and maintain myself in Houston. Mm -hmm. Um, So she had started working. um, She has a full-time corporate job, but she had started also serving tables um, at a restaurant. And she told me that they were looking uh, to hire waitresses and servers and bartenders. Like I said, I don't have any experience doing any of that, but I knew that I wanted to gain that experience, like gain that skill of serving, Mm -hmm. because a lot of restaurants won't hire you without that experience, and they were willing to train me. So I was balancing the two jobs, and it was working out really, really well. And maybe like two weeks after I started working at that restaurant, this amazing opportunity came around um, to work in a theater job. Um, I am a theater major as well. I did video production and theater and costume tech 
in college and I had been wanting to get back into theater for the longest time just because I missed the community and I just missed like the artsy stuff of it. Mm-hmm. So I saw that Cirque du Soleil was coming through Houston and I kept looking in the months leading up to it for any opportunities to work with them in the wardrobe department. So then one of my friends posted on her Facebook that they were looking to hire people for wardrobe in Houston. And she had like the direct email contact. So that day, like I just, I cleaned up my, my theater resume and I sent it off. By the next day I had an interview. But I was like, I don't care. I'm going to make it work. Because I didn't want to lose my two other jobs because I needed a safety net, like a backup. Once the circuits left town, you know, to still have my steady job, which was the museum. And I didn't want to miss out on getting the experience uh, that I would get in serving. So I was like, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it work. So I talked to all my managers and they were all like, yeah, we'll work with you. And so they're all, all three of them were part-time jobs. I didn't think it was going to be difficult to manage. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is awesome. I'm getting this great experience working for Cirque du Soleil. All these doors could open. I'm back doing what I love in theater. Um, And a year ago, the previous year, I had gone to another one of their shows with my family, just as a spectator. And I actually cried. Like, the characters came on stage, and I started, like, the music started playing, and I started crying <laughs> because I was so emotional just thinking of all the theater techs in the backstage who put all this work um, into creating their show, and I'm just thinking about rehearsals and just the creative side of it and just how much I missed theater. So the fact that, like, a year later, I was working with them and you know I was like living the dream basically so it was like my dream job and I was like I can be making connections and if they like me maybe they'll ask me to come to the next town with them and this could be like a whole new career for me and I always wanted to tour with a theater show yeah so I was really really excited so how long were you working all three jobs I was working all three jobs about Two to three weeks. Mm. Um, and then shit hit so the funny. fan. It was so funny because I have, like, videos of me. Like, I do, like, a journaling, but, like, video diary journaling mm-hmm. um, of how grateful I was. Because like, I was driving from one job to another, and I was just thinking about how crazy my life was, but in a good way. And I was just like, man, like, I'm so grateful that I took that leap and quit that other career because if I hadn't, I would have been missing out on all these great opportunities that I'm having right now. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I'm just so glad, like, I took that step. (laughs) I lost my jobs in March. Um, It was, like, the teens, like, the early teens. Like, the coronavirus was starting to take over the world. Are we saying the C word? I know some people are not saying the C word. Why? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we can uh, say it. We're, we're living in reality. Reality is <laughs> that there's a coronavirus, the coronavirus. sweeping the okay, yeah. everything. <laughs> Cirque shows were starting to close down around the globe. And I remember showing up to work on what was my last day. I didn't know it was my last day. <laughs> I showed up to work. And I, told, like, I was telling my coworkers... 
like, oh man, like they just shut down all these shows. I hope they don't shut this one down. And then that night I got a call that they were shutting down operations and not to show up to work the next day. Oh. I'm like, oh, snap. Like, <laughs> well, this sucks, right? Like, oh man, like I was really excited. Like this job was bringing a lot of excitement into my life. I was meeting amazing people, talented individuals. And it was just like, I've been living my dream for a week and a half. And now it's over. <laughs> So I was like, okay, well, I guess, you know, I'll go back to my other jobs and ask for more hours. So so I went in the next day, and then <laughs> I found out during our staff meeting that I was one of the employees of the month with my other coworkers. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, like, that's so awesome, employee of the month. I've never been employee of my life. <laughs> I've never been employee of the month in my life. It was so cool. Um, and, you know, things were already, like, started to get a little more serious. They were starting to take a lot more safety precautions there. But they still weren't announcing any closures whatsoever. And then um, they said they were monitoring the situation. And I want to say, so my cert job shut down on a Thursday. And the next Monday, we got the announcement that the museum was going to close for two weeks. And I was like, all right, cool. I can do that. I cannot work for two weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, then, yeah, this will be over in two weeks. You know, we all get to stay home and be safe. All right. I was looking at the positive side of things. Yeah, that's when people were so optimistic that, like, if everyone just behaved for two weeks, this would all blow over and we could get back to our regularly scheduled program. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, at least I still have my waitressing job, right? <laughs> well, that same night, the mayor decided to close all the restaurants. Wow. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm officially unemployed. But again, it was like, it's just two weeks. They were closed for only two weeks. I'm like, it's just two weeks. Um, and everybody immediately was like, apply for unemployment. And I'm like, why? Only two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be fine. No, like it'll be okay. We didn't know how serious the thing was going to get at that point. I was really like optimistic about everything and really upbeat and I was not worried about money at all. But then like a few maybe like in the second week of everything, the museum told us that they were close until further notice. Yeah. I guess nobody knew what was going to happen, like, when we were going to have our jobs back. Um, the restaurant I was working at was still doing a curbside delivery, but only the manager was allowed to work that. Like, the servers weren't. But I was like, I, I, I want to be able to be with my family, and then what if this prolongs and I don't have work? And then how am I going to how am I gonna pay rent for the next month? You know... I still had files for unemployment because they had already announced a stimulus check. So how long did you wait to file for unemployment? Have you filed for unemployment yet? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. Once things started getting more and more serious, I was like, I think I should file for unemployment. <laughs> yeah, it took me about a month and I was like, I should file for unemployment and then see what happens, what goes from there. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, there's no shame being on unemployment. I mean, 
we're paying for it. All the years we worked, we were putting that money aside, basically. Truly. So it's our money. We're just cashing in on it now. Yeah. I, it's like, I, how do you, so you feel like, I know there's like this stigma with people drawing for unemployment and they don't want to go back to work because they're lazy or they are just trying to like rely on the government to like pay their way. And a lot of people feel really guilty, I think, about having not working for a long period of time. And I know I'm, I'm still trying to come to terms with the fact that it's okay that I'm not busy every day, all day. And I just kind of feel guilty that's like, oh, I'm not like doing this and I'm not doing that. And then I have to like remind myself we're in the middle of a goddamn pandemic. It's okay. You don't have to try to be doing something every second of every day to try to contribute to society. Like I've been doing that literally up until this point. So it's fine if I take a few months off. Yeah, Americans don't know how to slow down. It sucks. I hate it. It's such a stupid American mentality that we just have to like grind till we die. And it's like, no, I'd like to take a breath for a little bit. Yeah, like those first two weeks, you know, I was like, okay, I have two weeks off and be productive. I was working out every day. I was doing like one productive thing. Oh, yeah, like I was buying into it. I'm like, I have all this time to do all the things I want to do. But yeah, like it's true. Like you don't have to come out of this with like a new business plan or like having worked on yourself like we're just trying to survive at this point and make sure that we make it through that our families make it through like it's okay if you're not being productive Mm -hmm. right now like you don't feel like you're being productive and that was like one of the reasons I came home was because I just felt like in my apartment in Houston like I wasn't doing anything but I'm like man I could be home spending time with my mom during this time that I'm off mm-hmm. and I'm lucky that you know like I can drive I can drive to my home you know some people like have to take a flight to go home and they can't go home um because it's just dangerous to fly but yeah like no you don't have to be coming out and be like the next CEO next <laughs> boss you know like a new company like yes like I personally want to learn some new skills because I'm a little scared like I want to start working from home I I don't know how ready I am to go back into the world and work with people around with people so I definitely want to learn something that I can do so I can work from home um, and then once this unemployment runs out or whatever happens um, I have a way of making income but I don't have to be risking my health yeah because like I said Americans don't know how to slow down we're out there protesting staying home <laughs> Yeah, I keep saying, like, for the first time in probably forever, we are literally given a pass. It is, like, literally the right thing to do is to just stay at home. I saw this um, tweet the other day about how, like, bars and restaurants in L.A. or California are contemplating opening next week. I don't know the accuracy of that. But then someone commented, the biggest industry in that state that draws the most money that requires like rich people to work long hours is the TV and film industry and they're not even considering going back to work. So that should tell people like, you know, if these like rich people are willing to like go and risk their lives to create movies, then why should we go and risk our lives to like serve alcohol? And that's like a whole nother thing where like, 
a lot of these companies that are still open or like want to open up, their CEOs are chilling at home, you know, working from home. And the people in the front lines are the little people risking their lives and getting sick mm-hmm. while the big bosses get to stay home. Yeah. Um, I don't know like what stage Colorado is in, but like Texas, after like Georgia opened, Texas was like, all right, y'all, we're going to start opening things up. <laughs> I mean, we are, we're, things are starting to slowly open up. And actually, I was reading an article last night about how um, the Colorado Department of Labor, because things are slowly opening up, they're going to start requiring people who are drawing unemployment to start actively looking for jobs now. Um, And they had put like a hold on that because of the shelter in place orders. And so I don't, they're going to start doing it broadly, quote unquote, I don't know like what exactly that means but there's like I I don't want to go back out into the real world like I know I need a job but I'm not ready to go back out and like what if I'm sick like I don't even like walking in the park in our apartment complex just because there's always so many people there and then reading that now I'm going to have to start actively looking for work that I don't want because I'm not ready yet. Like, it's just kind of like, it's giving me a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> so I don't know how like, to cope with that. People are downplaying how traumatizing of an event this is. Yeah. It's been a crazy few months. Um, I know that, so they started reopening restaurants here. You know, like my start job, like that's, that's a goner for now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then restaurants starting to open up, but, you know, because I moved, I couldn't return to my serving job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the museum is still closed, so we haven't been called back to work yet. So is your plan to go back to Houston, like, once? Like, if they call you back, are you going back there? Do you still have a place to live there? That's the thing. Um, my roommate, you know, obviously, like, she still has a job, so she's been able to pay the rent, but she's actually having somebody move in, and they had already planned to move in, you know, back in January. They had already planned to move in together, so I wouldn't have a place to move back to. We had to find a whole new place. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a situation because I would have to find some strangers to live with. Yeah. I guess. Or um, a hotel. And, you know, yeah, and you just don't know how clean, like, an Airbnb is or a hotel is right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't, don't know. That's what I'm scared of. Like, if I get called back to my old job, which is, like, it's... Like, it was a job that I wasn't super fond of to begin with, and I didn't really care for the company anyway, so it's just kind of, like, almost a good riddance situation, but if they call me back, I would have to go back lest I stop drawing unemployment, and I've kind of been going back and forth with this, uh, on this with Isaac, because it's just, like, I keep saying, like, if they call me back, like, I don't want to go back, I don't want to go back to that place, like, I was so unhappy there, and I, did I tell you I developed hives from the stress of working there? So, last August, I developed chronic idiopathic uticaria, which is basically just hives 
that come and go for no reason. But my um, allergist is like pretty sure they were started by stress. And I had to take, I'm still on like a ton of medication from October until March. I was on these shots that I would have to take once a month to um, suppress them. And the only reason I stopped taking them was because they are $1,200 a shot and I lost my insurance. So I um, had to do without the shots. Luckily, by that point, my hives had already kind of gone away um, and they haven't come back, but I'm still taking like allergy medicine for them. But I just keep thinking like, if I get called back, like my stress levels are going to go up again. Like my hives are going to come back. Like I'm going to be supremely unhappy and it's so funny because in like the two weeks leading up to me being laid off I had finally figured out a path to like get me where I wanted to be in the company in a position that I wanted to be which was some sort of like communications specialist and I want to do corporate communications so like I was like well I'm already in a corporate job all I have to do is just like find a way to like become that person and then eventually they'll create that position for me. I was considering going back to get my master's because they have like a tuition program where they were going to like reimburse me for stuff. And so like I had had it all figured out. And literally the f- the Friday, the week I got laid off on the March 20th, the f- which was a Friday. So the Friday before that, I had had a conversation with my manager about how I, you know, this was the path that I wanted in the company, what I was going to try to do. And so like, you know, yes, I'm still going to be doing like my job, the duties that you hired me for, but I also am going to be trying to pursue this. And she was like, that's great. We fully support you. Anything that you need. And then a week later, I was via Zoom call laid off because I was working from home. But I had got um, a note from my allergist to allow me to work from home because I was so like stressed about contracting contracting the virus. I'm just like really paranoid about like for several reasons having to go back because I know they are a company that has not done a great job of taking care of their like frontline employees. And they were supposed to go back like to work in the office because they'd been working from home for like a month of maybe six weeks. And they were supposed to go back to work on May 8th because that's when the shelter in place orders lifted. And it was just like, it turned to safer at home orders instead of shelter in place. And... They were going to have them go back to work that May 8th, but they didn't even have anything in place to like help people feel more comfortable working in an environment where there's other people. Like um, I have a friend who works at Toyota and when they went back to work, they had someone at the door like checking temperatures. They made sure that everybody was wearing masks like that was mandatory. Like they had all these parameters in place to make sure that people were safe and my old company was just going to have people go back to work and it was just going to be like whatever until they realized they had to have certain parameters in place and then they had to like hold off the day that people went back but it's just like like they were already not thinking of their employees and it's just like I don't want to go back to that place for that reason for the reason that like I didn't like it to begin with 
So I'm kind of struggling with that right now because it's like, I, you know, I'm trying to steer my career in a different direction. As you know, like my background is reporting. And then I came to this like home improvement gig that I was at. And then now I'm trying to like turn to corporate communication. So I'm trying to like figure out a way to steer my career without getting COVID and not go back to my old job. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm in it's a it's kind of a weird position. Like I kind of have to choose the lesser of two evils. Like if I go back, I'll have a paycheck, but I'll be unhappy and probably not safe. Or I could stay home and not have some sort of income for a while and just hope that the places that I'm applying to will hire me if they're hiring. <laughs> like, I think it's something like a lot of people are encountering because a lot of people are making more money on unemployment than they did working their regular jobs, mm-hmm. which is like, what does that tell you? Like, that people are getting paid shit to begin with. <laughs> yeah, like this whole crisis. Cause I might be going off topic, and please stop me if I am. No, it's okay. <laughs> but I was all for Andrew Yang just because he believes in the UBI, which is, you know, the universal base income. Mm-hmm. Where everybody gets $1,000 a month to spend as they wish mm-hmm. to stimulate the economy. And then, you know, this thing happened, and then they introduced the idea of the 1200 stimulus. And I'm like, all right, now everybody's on board for UBI. Cool. <laughs> um, and then I did have, like, I had a lot of issues with the whole package because $1,200 does not go the same way all across the world, all, all across the country. Um, you know, it goes further in some places. It doesn't go further in some places. You know, not everybody needs it. Um so I had a lot of issues, but, like, the issue was just, like, no, like, the problem is that Americans don't make enough money to have savings so that when a crisis like things happens, they can fall back on those emergency funds. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have enough, you know, our wage is really low, hasn't been raised in, like, 11 years, our minimum wage, but rent has skyrocketed yeah. in the last few years. Everything else has gone up significantly yeah like it just exposed so many like holes in our system that we know are there but nobody like people are fighting to fix them but people are also fighting against them yeah the one (laughs) percent but i saw somebody like businesses haven't opened up yet because they're their concern is the health and the well-being of their customers and their employees and somebody used the hashtag health over wealth and like that struck a chord with me i need to point out that i'm aware mars and i are very fortunate to even be able to consider not going back to work not everyone has that privilege and it is important for me and other people in my position to acknowledge that because people are struggling right now the cdc found that black and latino people are contracting covid19 and dying at a faster rate than any other racial and ethnic group. Why? I have four points to share with you. One, health differences between racial and ethnic groups are often due to economic and social conditions that are more common among some racial and ethnic minorities than whites. 
Two, members of racial and ethnic minorities may be more likely to live in densely populated areas because of institutional racism in the form of residential housing segregation, i.e. when you see a neighborhood and there's not a single white person there. And if you live in densely populated areas like these minorities, it is more difficult to practice social distancing. But then some people can say, oh, why can't they just work from home? I work from home. They can work from home too. Well, Karen, that brings me to my third point. Maybe they don't have the privilege to work from home and stay away from people. Nearly a quarter of employed Hispanic and black workers are employed in service industry jobs. Hispanic workers account for 53% of agricultural workers, and black or African Americans count for 30% of licensed practical and licensed vocational nurses. Basically, Minorities make up a large portion of essential workers who cannot stay home. And lastly, many members of racial and ethnic minorities live in neighborhoods that are farther from medical facilities. Additionally, they are less likely to have health insurance, meaning they are also less likely to seek medical care because it is too expensive. And it was found that COVID-19 testing sites were also disproportionately located in wider neighborhoods. One of the reasons testing is so important is so health officials can detect and contain outbreaks before they get out of control. So when there is a disproportionate amount of testing sites in white neighborhoods, I can't help but feel like the system doesn't care whether minorities get sick and die or not. And let's just say minorities do manage to get to a white neighborhood for testing. I don't think I need to remind you what tends to happen to people of color when they're in a white neighborhood, specifically black men, like a Maude Arbery. And sometimes black people don't even need to be in a white neighborhood. They could be in their own homes, like Breonna Taylor. So yes, once again, everything comes back to racism, and there is not nearly enough time in this program to cover all of that. So, I will let you Google systemic racism on your own and let Mars pick up where she left off. Did somebody use the hashtag health over wealth? And like that struck a chord with me. Mm-hmm. Like that, and that's true. Like even if I weren't getting a paycheck, I'll be like, I'm not going back to work and risking getting myself sick. Maybe if I lived alone, I would be a little less scared. Mm-hmm. But because right now, like, I'm living with my mom, like, I don't want to get her sick because she's older. You know, if I catch it, my likelihood of being okay is high, but there's also a small chance I might not be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it doesn't just affect old people. Like, it affects people all ages and people of all ages are dying like god that is the thing that i like i don't understand like people are dying like that (laughs) is what i keep saying like every time i see something stupid in the news or isaac like reads me something that he saw on facebook i'm just like oh my god people are dying like why does nobody care that people are dying by the thousands and it just like ugh. i saw this thing um it was probably relating to the protests and everything going on in the black community about how like 
some people love to play devil's advocate and like try to hear both sides but sometimes there is so obviously a wrong side that you are an actual asshole for playing devil's advocate why would you even try to entertain the idea of this obviously wrong side and I feel like that's right now we're living in a world with like a ton of people that just like don't understand that you are on the wrong side of history for on so many levels. Like there's so much happening right now. Like that applies to so many things that are happening today. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's getting worse. Like, all of this shit would have happened anyways, but now we have a pandemic to deal with as well. Like, Mm -hmm. we just can't be kind and nice to each other and help each other out because there's a health issue going on in the world. Like, we just can't be nice to people. Like, no, we got to have things my way because my way is the right way. Yeah. It's like, let's be a little more empathetic towards people. Yeah, that's something I think a lot of people are lacking right now is just empathy. Yeah, they're just a little nicer to each other. I don't know, like, it's tough times. People are going through so many different emotions and everybody's dealing with things differently. But I I heard somewhere that, like, early on, like, everybody was kind of, like, grieving because things were kind of getting canceled. You know, plans were getting canceled, trips, festivals. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's, it's a little bit like, like, nobody talks about this is a grieving period. period. Like, you're grieving the life you would have been having have this not happened yeah and like and people like speaking of grieving like people are actually grieving the lives of loved ones that they lost like my grandpa passed away and i couldn't go to his funeral like i had to watch that shit on a facebook live it's awful but on, on a happier note let's let's kind of switch gears to a happier note what are some things that you're doing right now that's kind of keeping you level-headed I'm just getting, like, more comfortable with myself and, like, I'm getting really comfortable with not having to get dressed up. Like, today I'm wearing makeup because I just felt like I had to, um, even though, like, this, like, it's not just for the interview or anything. Like, <laughs> you put on makeup for me? <laughs> um, I'm watching a lot of, like, feel-good feel YouTube stuff. I'm, I'm writing down, like, new ideas of, like, new stuff I could do. Like I said, trying to figure out, okay, what can I do, like, for income, but also being safe. So I'm, like, thinking up of ideas. I'm cooking a little bit more. <laughs> oh, I started baking. <laughs> oh, yay! That's fun. Yeah, I've been wanting to learn how to um, decorate cakes. So I'm starting to learn, like, piping techniques. I've been going through a lot of, like, clutter that I had in my childhood so that's like another thing I just like getting rid of stuff and cleaning and creating a healthy environment for my mind through the belongings I own yeah um so yeah just like eating yummy food you know not worrying about oh I can't have this because I'm not being active you know like I need to be more careful what I eat like yeah I gotta be careful what I eat for my immune system but I gotta have a cookie at 10pm like I'm gonna have a cookie at 10pm yeah um and then just, like, spending time with my mom has been really, really nice. Just, like, we just talk. Like, we don't do anything but talk when she's home. Um, so that's been really nice. Listening to podcasts, listening to your podcast. Hey! Um, as you know, we were watching Listen to Your Heart. 
Yes, I so I haven't watched The Bachelor since like season three. It's been a very long time since I watched The Bachelor. Anything Bachelor related. I didn't even know The Bachelor in Paradise was a thing. That was a weird find. Um, but the reason I started watching Listen to Your Heart is because I was already following Matt on Instagram because he does um, uh, like YouTube videos with another singer that I really like and they'll sometimes like join forces and do like a cool cover. And so I started following him also because he's so pretty. And um, <laughs> and then I found out that he was going to be on The Bachelor and I was like, oh, well now I got to watch The Bachelor to like make sure he's not a jerk. And he's not. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. And when remember when I was telling you like how he I just felt like he cheated Rudy of her chance and the producers got in his head. I was watching a YouTube video today, like one of those like tea videos. Mm-hmm. And like how there there's like actual theories going out about how they think the producers did it because they would have won the show. Yeah. And the video <laughs> talked about how The Bachelor wants a good love story in the end. And they didn't have the good love story. So no. they went for the other couples who did. Yeah. My and favorite I, was Natasha. And I was so sad. I really thought they could win it. <laughs> they didn't have a good love story. But no, she was so good. I she didn't, is so good. I didn't think Ryan had that great of a voice. She really carried all of their performances musically. <laughs> for sure. She totally outshined him. For sure. But, like, girl, like, I just admire her confidence. Like, she knew what she brought to the table, and she was not turning down her light for anybody. She was not going to turn down the volume. Yeah. She was keeping herself, and I'm like, yes, preach. Yeah. So The Bachelors was a nice little break from reality for, like, a six-week period. I've been watching a ton of Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix. Have you seen their improv special i haven't but like, <laughs> i i saw it on instagram so i wanted to watch it but i forget it's so there's only three episodes and i've watched each of them at least eight times because i just have it playing in the background because it's it's so funny they're so funny and their faces are really funny <laughs> not in a mean way I've been dancing daily, which has been really fun because I have um, Just Dance the video game. And so I've been doing that daily. And that's been really great to get in some like fun, light cardio and also like experience dancing again. Like, <laughs> So that's been a lot of fun. Highly recommend that. Just like dancing for 30 minutes every day if you can. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, I totally agree. Um... As you know, I hula hoop on the side. Yes. <laughs> and there's a hooper who, that's like her her mantra is like, find 10 minutes to move. Like, just move, just dance, feel the energy put through your body. So she, like, lives in source by, like, dancing. And it's such a good thing. Like, you just put on some music, dance for 10, 30 minutes, you forget about the world. It's such a good endorphins release. Mm-hmm. But I really do think this is a huge time for reset. Like, even I hit the reset button on my life in November. New slate, new opportunities. And I felt like the world caught up, like, six months later of, like, 
reset everything. Everybody, you're trying to find a new career. I'm trying to find a new career. A lot of people are, I'm sure, on the same boat trying to figure out what to do next. So the whole world is in a reset. That's why people are fighting so hard to go back to normal. And I'm like, you can't go back to normal. No, and, like, people keep talking about how they want to go back to the way things were, but it's, like, we need to, when we go back, we need to do better. Like, we can't go back to the way things were before. We have to have a new normal, which is better than it was before, because the reason things are the the way they are now is because what we were doing before was not good, (laughs) was not okay. So we just need to do better whenever we go back or go forward or whatever it is. Yeah, it'll definitely be a very interesting world we'll go back to. Well, thank you, Mars, so much for talking to me and letting everyone hear your unemployment story. Yeah, thank you for asking me. I'm so honored. It's not my first rodeo. I've been unemployed twice before by choice. <laughs> Those times were by choice because again, like I was in a path that wasn't making me happy. Happy, so I just like was like I'm gonna get off this road. So it's not it's not new, but this time it wasn't my choice. Yeah, <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. Well, I hope everything works out and you get to join the circus again and run off and design costume and sets and live your best life. Yeah, at least now, like, I, at least I know people on the inside now, and I know that they know me, and if they want me back, they'll ask me back, and I'll be back in a heartbeat. Any final words to the Chinguana listeners? You're doing great, sweetie. You're doing the best you can. Everybody is dealing with this differently, and the way you're dealing with it is your way, and there's nothing wrong with that. Special thanks to Mars for chatting with me and my uncle Raul Garza Jr. for creating and performing the theme music. I will link all the information I cited in the show notes. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Chingona Podcast, and the podcast email is chingonapodcast at gmail.com. Please like, rate, subscribe, tell all your friends, and let me know if there's any specific topics you'd like to hear me cover. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to y'all soon.